Hey, what's going on, guys? My guest today and I had a really great conversation. She's not only incredibly well-versed in local politics, extremely passionate about the homeless and financial independence, she's also done some really incredible work both here in the local community and abroad in other countries. Not to mention, she also brought her cute puppy, Caesar to join us for a little bit, which was really cool. So please give it up for Haley Lamb. It would be about something entirely different, just a different political issue regarding the presidential election. Okay. But I didn't, I just haven't been following that as closely as I follow local politics. Yeah. And I don't want to speak about something that I don't know a whole bunch about. So ended up not doing that one. Okay. Yeah. Why you just, do you believe more in local politics? Like you can have a bigger impact with that? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. It's so hard to follow presidential elections for me. I think that there's so much that the media reports that is not true. Yes. And so how much of your opinion is based off of something that's not even true? Mm -hmm. So with local politics, it's a lot easier to show up in person, see what's really going on. And that's why I think I wanted to get more involved in that way because I can't show up to all these state meetings. Yeah. You'd be driving all the time. You'd be going everywhere. Yeah. So. Wow. So. What made you want to run in the first place? Did you just look out and you were like, I can make this better? Yeah. So Eureka City Council, I decided to run mainly because growing up in Eureka, there was a large amount of kids that I went to elementary school with that ended up not graduating high school. Okay. And so one of my biggest issues or one of the main issues that I chose to focus on during my campaign was... Um, homeless children because mm-hmm. a lot of the kids that dropped out were homeless at a young age and there was no one monitoring them once they dropped off of the school system record there was no one tracking them and now i see them on the last coast outpost yeah which broke my heart and it wasn't being brought up at eureka city council meetings it was an issue where you hear it all the time like oh how do we solve the homeless issue and a lot of people think well they come they, they must all come from out of the area mm-hmm. which Sure, that's probably a small percentage of it, but if you look at the numbers, recently I went to a state senator town hall meeting held by Senator Mike McGuire, Okay, and he had a survey done for all of the different kids from 2 to 18 mm-hmm. that was done um, in Humboldt County, and it was a survey about, you know, what is your home life? Like, are you homeless? Do you have three meals a day? Mm-hmm. Really basic, essential things. And the survey came back that over 900 kids in Humboldt County were homeless. Oh, wow. And so when the economy or society in Eureka or in Humboldt County is looking at, well, where is, where, like, how do we solve this problem? And to me, it's like they're focusing on, you know, the the drug addicts out on the street mm-hmm. or they only see and focus on those people, not then they don't pay any attention to the 900 kids that are on the street and how we can try and solve this problem from there, from Mm -hmm. the very start. Because these kids haven't done anything to deserve that kind of treatment. Yeah. You know, they, 
it's so much harder for them to get good grades in school and do well and even graduate in that kind of environment. And a lot of people, even local people, don't know about that issue. Well, yeah. How do you focus on school when you're worried about getting your next meal? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that seems like such a low priority thing when you don't have a place to sleep, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. That's interesting that that was like kind of your primary thing to go after because it seems like nobody wants to touch that issue, especially around here, which is surprising because we have such a huge... Mm-hmm. population of homeless people around here yeah and eureka city council they have a general budget where mm-hmm. they can delegate what they want to spend that money on and they were throwing a lot of it away in yeah. my opinion they were they were mismanaging the budget that seems to be a common theme like across the board in politics oh, yes. is everybody's just mismanaging and then they're like okay let's raise the tax mm-hmm. and then people get pissed and they're like why don't you just spend the money better yeah but nobody wants to do that exactly do you think that Do you think that that's intentional or do you think that they really believe in the programs or are we just recycling programs at this point? Because it doesn't seem like it should be this hard, right? You should be able to try something. If it doesn't work, then improve it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem like we do that. I think a lot of the problem stems from people who make decisions. Then they make decisions. um, I would say that some, just some of the city council members have, they, they make decisions based off of negligence. Okay. So they don't know that that's such a big issue. They don't get involved as much as people who have been here or grew up here in the community. I mean, mean, (laughs) yeah, you got really involved. Yeah. I mean, there was a point where I just thought I'm the only person attending these meetings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'd be the only one sitting in the audience. Oh, wow. And I, I would be watching Eureka City Council making decisions of what to spend money on with general fund money, which is all of our taxpaying money mm-hmm. on decisions that directly will benefit them instead the, of the, the people, instead of the people. Wow. So that's how I started to get involved. And I, I mean, politics is a headache, Oh yeah. <laughs> but I decided that it, it's really worth it to try and get myself out there and fix these things because I I'm seeing them happen right in front of my eyes and i think the public deserves to know about what's going on and there were a few different times where the media used something that i said as a headline or clickbait or yeah or they used because i I will be pretty outspoken about which is not a bad thing (laughs) the issues yeah (laughs) i mean if i see it and i know what i'm talking about then i will go ahead and bring that forward as an issue yeah which you should that's what everybody should do yeah i mean it doesn't take a genius to walk outside and look around and be like okay we we need to fix we some have stuff. a problem here yeah. With something. yeah yeah <laughs> especially in california as a whole like the homeless issue is huge mm-hmm. and nobody wants to tackle it yeah they just i mean people are defecating on the streets in san francisco and stuff even here you could at night you can walk around and see people just going to the bathroom wherever they want mm-hmm. and it's like why and it's hard because it's almost like if you do bring up a plan i would imagine um you know nobody really wants to like do anything about it because oh you can't move them you can't try to help them the programs that are implemented aren't effective yeah i mean what do you do i mean so a lot of it has to do with um not specifically like homelessness was one example of something that i felt really passionate about that i wanted to change Mm -hmm. but another thing is once you get elected into political office you have a lot of backing behind you okay and what i was planning on doing with that is amending california penal codes and work with the state senator and have use that kind of backing that I already established mm-hmm. to go ahead and change our laws. Laws oh, wow. that um, aren't necessarily fair. For example, Penal Code 632. 
Penal Code 632 states that you need to have two-party consent of video and audio recording mm -hmm. in situ in pretty much every situation. You okay. always need that other person's permission unless yeah. it's in a public setting or uh, you're a police officer and that sort of thing. But in a private office setting, for example, um, discrimination is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, people get discriminated against every day. And in the workplace, it's, it still happens very regularly. And how do we... How do we prove that in court? Mm -hmm. You know, so if your boss calls you in to their office and they say, you know what, you're fired because you're too old for this job, or we don't think you're a good fit because you're too young, or you're or you're female, or you know you're whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. You know, employers can discriminate, and really for that employee that was just in discriminated against they have no way to prove that yeah how do you go court. about that yeah and uh, i was focusing on amending this penal code as a last resort because mm -hmm. it it is not something that i would encourage people to just go out and record everyone it's kind of an invasion of privacy yeah but in those kinds of situations i think that it's just to use that information to prove what had just occurred mm -hmm. and just to improve our justice system so that we can enforce these laws. Yeah, I would imagine, especially in your situation running for office that you probably came a like through a lot of that. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, so disappointing. There's a lot, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, but yeah, there's a lot of reasons why. But I mean, really, I, I don't really wanna focus on my own personal reasons of mm -hmm. why I wanted to do it. I just think of if it's happening to me, it's probably happening to a couple thousand more people in California. And um, I'd really like to make sure that no one else is in that kind of situation where, you know, they've been um, discriminated against in the workplace mm -hmm. and they have no way to prove it. That's kind of a lost perspective nowadays, I feel like where you can kind of step outside of yourself and recognize the problem as a whole yeah. and be like, I'm struggling with this. I assume other people are struggling with this. Like I want to do something to help everybody because mm -hmm. it'd be really easy to remove yourself from the situation and be like, okay, I'm out of it. Like everyone yeah. else can fight for themselves. I found my way out. Yeah. They can find their own way out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's interesting that you kind of had that calling. I feel like a lot of people, well, the world would obviously be a better place if everyone had that calling, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, and that's yeah. kind of where a lot of my knowledge started is that I had these personal experiences mm -hmm. and I tried to turn to lawyers and attorneys to get advice on what to do about it. And um, I found out that there's different kinds of things in our California penal codes that don't really make sense, as well as our foster care. And it, the list goes on and yeah, on. I could talk about brutal one, yeah, right? I could talk about the issues that we have in California all day long. <laughs> do you think it's because? The people that are creating this, these laws, for lack of a better word, are kind of outdated. I mean, we don't really have any young blood in our political system, mm -hmm. especially right now, especially locally um, and at a small level community-wise. There's not really a whole lot of young people. How old were you when you ran? So I broke the record as the youngest person to run for oh, wow. political office in Eureka. I was 19 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I felt like that was definitely an issue too, because if you look at the demographics of the people who are elected onto local city council, mm -hmm. they're all about the same age. Yeah. And I think that is part of the issue as well. Was there a lot of 
I don't know, would you call it ageism when you were running? Like, did people oh, yeah. kind of hold you down? Oh, yeah. Wow. Of course. Yeah. And I think that there is some truth to that of why you should be cautious of electing a young person just because they don't have as much life experience that is a given but also take into effect of what they're saying and why they're saying it and what they also have to offer yeah well you could say the same thing about somebody who's in their 40s or 50s you could make the argument that they're kind of jaded Mm -hmm. and that you know they've been kind of molded by a system that kind of screws a lot of people and so maybe they're not as keen or as willing to try new and upcoming ideas that could actually make an impact right right yeah 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 there's pros and cons to Mm -hmm. that and i definitely felt a lot of that i tried to stay just focused on the issues and even though there was a whole bunch of craziness during the political campaign on making false claims about me i've heard about i wish i would have followed it but i was in i think i was in oregon when you were running so i wasn't I didn't follow as closely as I should have, but I've watched some of your debates and read some articles and it seemed like it got a little heated there. Oh yeah, it definitely did. It was it was a good experience and a bad experience. Yeah. And so it, it I grew some layers of skin that year with all of the things that were being said about me. Some of them I took into account and um used it as constructive criticism to make myself better and some of it was just you just got to throw it away it was just yeah like stories that were about me in middle school beating up kids and screaming satan in the hallways and a bunch of just random stuff that i don't know where they got it from it's interesting how when people feel threatened they just they'll do whatever it takes they'll lash out they'll try to dig up anything they'll fabricate stories whatever it takes to put you down so they can they feel like they're gonna rise by yeah. doing that but i think that speaks volumes on your character i would way rather vote for somebody who is the one that is slandered um if it's like not valid slander obviously but when you're looking at someone and all they're doing is talking crap kind of like what trump does to some extent you know yeah. what i mean it kind of it just makes you seem like oh man what yeah. are you doing and there, what is there was a lot of that during the campaign which is crazy because it's it's like it's our community. You know, it's such yeah. a local level. Like, why are you bashing someone you're going to see every day or yeah. every week? Like, what? what's the purpose of this? What are we trying to do? Mm-hmm. And I didn't get it. Oh, we got a little guest. <laughs> I know we kind of talked about it as you were walking in, but I was a little interested as to what you think about Joe Biden. Uh, well, like I said, I don't follow the presidential election as mm-hmm. much. He was not my third he was not my first, second, third, fourth, or fifth choice. Yeah, that kind of seems to be a recurring theme. <laughs> yeah. Everyone... Who did you want? Who was like your go-to? Mm, my go-to? Yeah, if you could pick one and be like, this is the one that's going to go the distance. You know what? I really like Tulsi Gabbard. I like Tulsi. You did. She was so not appreciated. <laughs> I know. And I... it was crazy. She stood her ground. She seemed like a strong candidate. Yeah. And for some reason, I don't know if she just couldn't gain any traction or if it's just how the media was portraying her but i mean god over biden come on Mm -hmm. yeah i i really liked her um i also liked bernie sanders and elizabeth warren Mm -hmm. but i was a big tulsi gabbard fan yeah i could have backed tulsi for sure yeah and at the beginning i liked andrew yang a lot of people liked him because he brought forward something that a lot of them uh, well actually i don't think it's ever really been talked about as much as during his campaign and how technology is changing our economy factor. and i thought that was a really great thing to bring up i think that's more apparent now than ever how integrated technology is in our lives and how it's only going to get deeper 
mm-hmm. especially now. I mean, everything's online because you can't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? Do you think that Biden stands a chance against Trump when this goes down? I don't know. I've been reading different articles about how Trump's got a seventy percent chance of getting reelected, and I would like to think that I'd much rather have Biden in, as president, but. You know, I I honestly don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah. I don't want to get everyone else's hopes up. Just go out and vote. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the problem. Yeah. Because people aren't voting. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I've got to be honest. I'm a little bit worried about Biden. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself fairly liberal, but from the debates that I've seen him in and some speeches he's given, and I know that this has been reiterated a lot, but it doesn't seem like he's all there. Like, well, he's yeah. not as sharp as you would hope a president is, which makes me a little worried about, you know, is he going to be as strong-willed when he gets into office and he's got all this pressure? And the office does age you. I think we've all seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he can take it. And he's run, he's run before two or three times, right? It's extremely disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, you would think that in America we would have better options than Biden and Trump. Yes, exactly. I always think about that too. How did we end up with these people? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes down to money. Money. I would argue the media too. And the media. Right, because they were clearly pushing for Biden. They've been riding Biden since day one. Mm -hmm. Like, oh man, this is our guy. We found him, which is kind of curious. It's like they hate Trump so much that they're just pulling for anybody yeah. which i think tulsi would have had a way better chance of beating trump yeah than biden is yeah with biden i i think trump's gonna bully him when they start the debates and he's not he's not got a very good social media presence which shouldn't matter but it does mm-hmm. because you know you got to get your message out there yeah and his call he just he seems like a wreck he doesn't seem like he's grounded in anything and i don't know I mean, you've been in that world more than I have, but it does not look good. It worries me a little bit. Yeah, it it's definitely worrying. I am a little bit disappointed, but at the same time, yeah. you know, I'm really focusing on the local issues more so. Which they say that local is almost more important because it's going to affect you more on a daily basis. It right? could. It yeah. could, yeah. I mean, the federal budget is a lot bigger than the oh, state yeah. and oh, the yeah. local budget, but... A lot of the tax money that you're paying on the local level and the large budget that the cities do have can be spent on things that can vastly improve mm-hmm. the city that you live in. Yeah. you. I know you talked about it a little bit in one of the debates that I was watching, but you volunteered in 10 different countries? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Where? Where? So I went and I lived in Mozambique, Africa. Wow. For a while. Um, I Just because? I was doing Peace Corps type work. Okay. I built an AIDS clinic because it, wow. it is so popular there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one in three people had AIDS oh, wow. in the area that I was at. And then I also helped build a an add-on to a school okay, so that the kids could have somewhere to go. And that was a great experience. And then I've volunteered with wildlife in a lot of different countries. And I found out that I love traveling. so It was the perfect combination, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And after doing a bunch of research, I I love studying history. Mm -hmm. I love keeping up to date with politics and figuring out how different people in the world live. And 
I started to realize that there's a lot that I could do if I just went over there and started taking action. And it, I did. I mean, it was it was great because now the the people there and I would like to go back as soon as I can. I was just talking. I just reached out to some of the people that I stayed with in Mozambique last week because they are at a, an all time economic low mm-hmm. due to the coronavirus and oh, they don't God. have a very great health care. So I've been kind of worried about them and figuring out, okay, so how can we address this issue? Because I know people personally there that are my friends and I have experienced their culture um, to a certain degree, and um, I still, like, part of my heart is with them. Oh, I bet. So, Is it just a lack of resources? Because it seems like a lot of people are willing to help and willing to put in the work, but I mean... A lot of it has to do with, so their governments are corrupted. Yeah. Um, their economy is not very self-sustaining. There's not a whole lot of opportunities out there, and they've still got a very traditional um, culture. Okay. So, for example, the tribe that I was staying with, the Zulu tribe in Mozambique, um, they still buy women with cows. Oh my god! And so there's a lot of there's a lot of factors. It's not just one thing as to why, you know, they they are in this situation. And a lot of it has to do with. Um, I recommend reading the book Economic Hitman, which kind of uh, explains how the they say first world countries um, have taken advantage of these third world countries further indebting them mm-hmm. jesus yeah so. i cannot believe that i mean it makes sense when you think about it but it's crazy to believe that in 2020 like you could still buy somebody yeah yeah like people choose to just kind of block that out because it's not a pleasant thought thinking about that like you don't like it but what do you do? Oh yeah, like two guys tried to buy me with cows. While oh I was my there. god! <laughs> wow, crazy, right? <laughs> oh my god, that is insane. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Even, wow, it's a big world out there. Yeah, <laughs> different. Wow, cows. Why cows? Um. Well, they they can use that as a resource. Okay. Them. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, but I still love them. I appreciate well, yeah. them. I um. I felt very honored to be with them the whole time I was there and talk to them about what they believed in and how we do things over here and appreciating the differences and just seeing. What is their perspective on the U.S.? So the women there that I stayed with, they wanted to hear more and more about all the opportunities that women have here. And they were so inspired and they really wished that they could have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And the men there looked at me like I was crazy. Oh, wow. And I remember one of them got mad at me when I told him, no, I'm not going to let you buy me with cows. And he got very angry and I had to explain to him how we do That's things. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's, di- it's so different over there. Like they don't have mailing addresses or they don't watch the news. And I mean, it's very, it's very interesting. Jesus. Yeah. That's crazy. Did that kind of frame your desire to go into politics then? Is to try to make an impact? I think it was a factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it'd just, be hard for it not to be, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Was most of it, most of the volunteer work then in Africa? Um, a lot of it was in Africa, yeah. South Africa, Mozambique. Um, I did a lot of volunteering in Thailand, Laos, Burma, wow. China. I was actually in Wuhan. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, but not. Yeah, I was going to say way before. <laughs> not we recently. Make that clear. You're way safe. before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's been good. Crazy. 
So your love of traveling probably played into why you wanted to work with the airlines then, I would imagine. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So I still work for United Airlines, mm. also part-time. But I'm on a little bit of a leave because of the coronavirus. Yeah. I can't imagine very many people are flying right now. <laughs> yeah. So our flights have taken reduction. We don't need as much staff there. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad's been sick, so I don't want to possibly get him more sick. So ended up taking some time off. Oh, wow. Your dad's a sheriff deputy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Wow. How long has he been doing that? 20 years. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. He's been through it then. Yeah. Before he did, before he worked with, for law enforcement, he um, worked at one of the mills okay. for about 10 Locally. years. Yeah. Oh, nice. And then he started, got involved with law enforcement. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That is one of those things where it's just such a hot button issue. It is. Law it's so hard oh, for me, God. especially being on the I left side of the bet. fence. And yeah. Having my dad be a law enforcement officer and me being very pro uh, supporting of law enforcement because I know exactly what they do. Yeah, you see it firsthand, yeah, right? On the local level, like I know most of the sheriff deputies and um, police officers in the area, and mm. I have a great deal of respect for a lot of them. And when, you know, I hear a bunch of people, you know, saying that, oh, so and so is, you know, racist or whatever, this and that, and it, it's very hard to. For me, in that yeah. situation, to say, well, you know, I support my my local law enforcement and, um, you know, in the situation, case by case, I'll just see what's going on in that situation. And I think a lot of people are unfairly stating that all police officers are... Yeah, that term, all, yeah. all women, all men, all police. Yeah, and that's... These broad generalizations no, for the. Just, I think for the most part, every every law enforcement officer that I have met has been the type of person to put their lives on the line for someone that they barely even know. Oh yeah, and arguably that, most, I mean, right? Like heroes. Mm -hmm. In my in my view, that's like my dad. That's how I grew up. Yeah, my dad. Like, and it's such a high stress environment that, I mean, it takes such a toll on them. And you gotta, I mean, you gotta figure there are people. Who get into any position that probably shouldn't be there oh yeah but the course. problem is police get it's so high stress and it's life or death when you go out there that the stakes are so much higher that when someone does slip up or a person that shouldn't be in a position makes a mistake then it's magnified and then everyone starts talking about oh they're all bad we got to figure out something yeah. for all of them you know yeah. what i mean and they're in the spotlight all if, the time especially like, now oh yeah and for example if like doctors were in the spotlight and a doctor made a split second decision that cost someone their life you know and That's if an that was point. if yeah. that was highlighted in the media then a bunch of people would be freaked out about going to see a doctor because there'd really be so much um, negative connotation with that position already because that's what's being talked about so much in the media mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that there shouldn't be cases where it's ta not talked about in the media but i'm just saying like you know, there is a lot of negativity around that. And I think for the most part, it's a little, it's a kind of extreme in, in a lot of situations. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, there are cases that, you know, some officers made the wrong call or screwed up or shouldn't have been in that situation course, in the first yeah. place. But overall, I mean, these people are laying, their, laying down their lives to protect us, right? Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. most of the time, they're doing a really good job. And there's so few of them and so many of us that... yeah. It's such a dangerous Some, job. Yeah. I mean, right? And now that I'm dispatching for police, yeah. I'm like, oh my that's goodness. That's got to be a I scary. cannot believe that you guys are going out to this call right now. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the kind of situation where I'm, 
you know, there's, you know that they've got guns, you know that they've got, you know, certain situations that I wouldn't want to show up to, but that's what they do. Yeah. That's got to be a really high stress job too. I mean, obviously being a police, but yeah, being a dispatcher. It can be. Yeah. But I enjoy, I enjoy it because I enjoy helping people the best that I can. Mm -hmm. So I like feeling like I am contributing to the community. There was a article I read the other day or video I saw, I think actually about this dispatcher. It might've been in California who he got a call and the lady was like, I'd like to order a pizza, right? Mm-hmm. At first, he's like, why? Does, like, do you know who this is? Like, yeah, yeah, I have the police. heard that. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is great. For those who don't know, she said she'd like to order a pizza. It took him a second, but he caught on that it was a domestic violence situation. Um, he sent the police out there. They worked, got the guy or figured it out. Um, but I thought that was really cool. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd have to be... I wouldn't have guessed that it was domestic violence. I'd have been like, what? This is not Pizza Hut. This mm-hmm. is a police station. Yeah. But... I mean, that's what you guys do. And there are certain calls like that where someone will butt dial 911 or, mm-hmm. you know, they will butt dial the police department and you'll hear a bunch of stuff going on you know, in the background and you'll be like, hmm, should I take this as a valid call? Should yeah. I, so you listen and then you You've can, sometimes, can sometimes figure out that something is actually happening. Mm-hmm. They didn't even mean to call it in, but something's happening. Yeah. You know, like those kinds of things can happen at work yeah and it boils down to you guys yeah you're the ones that make that call of oh we need to send somebody out here okay it's it's fine yeah like there's nothing going on it's gonna mm-hmm. be okay yeah someone just accidentally calls i've accidentally called the police a few times when i was younger not <laughs> necessarily so accidentally but um yeah i mean that happens right yeah but yeah I mean, that's all part of the job. But mm-hmm. it's crazy that you do that. That is really awesome. That's insane. Yeah, I it mean. is. I would recommend it because it's it's a very rewarding job. Um, it, it is high stress, but mm-hmm. it, um, it's an honor to be in that position. Yeah, you're helping people. If you're good at multitasking and you have good communication skills, I think you'd be a good dispatcher. Did you want to get into that because of your father? Yeah, I think that was a large part of it. That's one of the reasons why I decided to be working for the department where I am at now it's um my dad was patrolling in that area and oh, I, uh. you know because of his health problems because of um, wanting to get more involved with his life and being able to be there more with him I decided that that was something that I would like to do that's cool yeah I always thought it would be awesome to be a police officer or just go for a ride along if nothing else just to kind of see yeah well heck i've been thinking about it you yeah know? right it's, it's um it's a very noble thing to do rewarding life mm-hmm. like you're living you're dedicating your life to helping others yes i mean yeah and that's kind of my gripe side note that's kind of my gripe with the left is that you have to be you have to fall in line mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's the same way on the right but with the left you got to fall in line otherwise they will turn on you in an instant yeah. like we're not allowing people to be dynamic we're not allowing people to believe multiple things, right? Yeah. I mean, I consider myself, I think I'm, you know, left. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm super far left. Mm-hmm. I'm not way out there. But like, I also believe in gun rights. I believe in the Second Amendment. I think people have that right. Mm-hmm. And But I also believe in abortion. I think people have that right. And oh, they yeah. should choose. Mm-hmm. And with the left, it's like, no, you, <laughs> yeah. you gotta, this is... These are the guidelines. You have to believe each one of these and you got to fall in line. Yeah. You got to back this. And uh-huh. then when you start questioning it, then they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, it is very frustrating. And I experienced that to an extreme degree where 
now all of a sudden reconstructing a three lane to two lane traffic was a partisan issue. If you Which choose, is ridiculous. it's ridiculous. You know, it's like, why can't you look at the information presented and make a decision based off of the logical choice rather than because a certain group is yeah because the it. democrats brought it up or the republicans yeah brought it up. exactly which is crazy why would that how how do you even make that stretch to where that would become well for example they were talking about i think it was it was h and i street and they wanted right to now it's it three down to they two. wanted to condense it to two okay. and the progressives were all for condensing it down to two and they, I guess conservatives would be about keeping it three. And it was going to use trillion dollars of tax money. It was going to well, then cause traffic to go in other areas within the city. And the purpose was to create another bike lane. But there's a bike lane on the street right next to it. So it didn't make a yeah, whole that lot seems of like a waste. sense to me to just say yes to what they were proposing. I said I need a lot more information of why. Yeah. And, so which should have been the right answer right you're asking for more information you're asking to understand mm -hmm. they should have been like oh my god that's awesome yeah here's some information you know check it out yeah which that in my opinion that never really made sense because those lanes and those streets are so heavily traveled yeah that to bring it down to two would have caused so much congestion yeah. that i don't think it would have been any safer but honestly i think that a lot of it had to do with the self-interest of people on the council Okay. So you can think, you can kind of create an idea of what, why someone on the council might want to have less traffic in that area. Because they live there? Yeah. I would and imagine. And that makes their property values go up. Oh, that's good. That's so. So there's a lot up. of that things. That is so messed up. But, you know, it's like, do you bring that forward straight on? Do you call people out on that? Do you ruin their reputation? Or do you try and logically defend this argument? And it, it makes it hard. It makes it hard imagine. when everything's a partisan issue. Jesus, that is so crazy that even something that low level, they, they're just using it for their own gain. Yeah. If they are, I mean. Mm -hmm. And I kind of identify the same way that you do, where I don't agree 100% with what the extreme left is saying. It's hard, right? It is hard. It, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay true to what I think is the best thing to do. And I'm not going to stay in a, a stubborn mindset. Yeah, you don't want to live in a bubble. You, you don't, want to be open to information. Yeah, you want to be able to grow. You don't want to be in an echo chamber. You want to be able to change your opinion if exactly. new information is brought to you that sounds better. And mm -hmm. you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to go that way. Because and yes, that's exactly what makes you a free thinker. That's what makes you human, yes. right? <laughs> you're, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what we all should be striving for. But people get so attached mm -hmm. to their idea. Mm -hmm. And when you when you want to debate an idea or you don't understand an idea and you want clarification, people get so offended. They're like, no, this is this is it. This yeah. is my idea. You need to believe this because I'm right. Don't mm -hmm. you trust me? Like, don't you think I'm a genuine person? Yeah. And this is part of the issues with only having two parties in the United States because there's so many different issues and so many different stances. And it turns it black and white. Yeah. You're yeah. either with the Democrats or you're with the Republicans. You mm -hmm. can't fall in the middle. You can't be like, well, yeah, I see that on some issues. You know, I'm with them. And on the other issues, I'm over here on the left. But yeah. You can't exactly. do that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's very rough. complicated. Yeah. But it, I don't know if that's going to... I would hope that that changes, but I don't know how you go about changing that. Maybe with information, since more information is getting out there, maybe it'll become more apparent. But I mean, like you said, if people are especially if people are making decisions to better themselves, how do you get that information out? 
Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you could release it, but then what if people turn on you and then you didn't achieve anything, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, how does that go? Yeah, it is very difficult. And that's one of the reasons why I decided not to accept any money during my campaign. That was a bold move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. That was insane. Yeah. Sometimes I look back on that and I'm like, maybe I would have had a much better chance of winning like if I would have... thousand dollars in my back pocket <laughs> for advertising. more, yeah, to advertising. But I really felt like that was one of the main reasons why I didn't want to accept money from anyone is because I didn't want to have anyone um, pushing agendas on me. That you didn't I, want to owe anything to someone. Yeah, I exactly. And I felt that the main purpose, as I said, of why I was running was for at-risk youth. And so what I ended up doing was a bunch of people messaged me online, talked to me in person. They said, hey, I want to contribute to your campaign. Oh, that's And I cool. told them what I want you to do with that money is donate it to CASA or the different local youth programs that we have here, the Raven Project, um, you know, that that sort of thing. Yeah. And so uh, hopefully they got some more contributions there because I think that's how elections should be run is you're voting for the issues, not for... Well, yeah, you would think, right? That's how yeah. they should be now, mm-hmm. but they're clearly not. Yeah. And my biggest gripe with the whole election process is how we handle debates this whole you've got it's an hour timeline there's going to be commercials so it's cut down you each contestant gets a minute to talk which how do you formulate a well thought out response in a minute after just hearing the question yeah and if somebody else you know attacks you over here then you have to respond to that and respond to the question and it's like uh, what yeah i mean i was listening to a debate that you had and it was like it was almost like people were saying the same thing over and over again and you can oh, see yeah. that in the primaries and stuff is they're not even getting out any response because mm-hmm. they're so flustered and they're just trying to get some clickbaity moment so that they can broadcast that and their followers are like yeah like he just yeah. stuck it to him when it should be about the problem it should be about the issues the politics mm-hmm. but it's not it's a game people just dodge the questions when yeah. they don't have the answer and then they'll talk about they'll something deflect. completely differently yeah. yeah and a lot of the times politicians will not answer questions oh yeah they'll just yeah, run you around in a circle yeah to what they're saying you're like <laughs> you didn't even come close to the question what mm-hmm. are we talking about this for yeah and some of the questions aren't even logical or well thought out questions yes, they're like yeah. trying to catch people mm-hmm. and it's like well, okay what are we doing here yeah are we playing gotcha or are we trying to yeah do something i felt that way too because i had a total of i think between eight and ten debates that i was involved in during that campaign and each different debate they had different questions and i think uh two or three of them gave me questions before i had to respond the other ones were all on the spot you didn't even know what they were asking Mm -hmm. like the live televised debate that that they had uh, I had no idea what the questions were. Yeah, going I think to be. that's the one that I saw. And so it was extremely difficult to try and respond to that because a lot of the questions were irrelevant to local issues, which is what I had a passion for and why I was getting involved. And a lot of them had to do with federal things. That what is a Eureka City Council member going to do to change yeah, the federal law? Right, you're going to go up against the governor right right when you <laughs> yeah. get into office and you're no, going to start attacking these that issues. That really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, elect people for what they're going to be uh, doing their job. You know, what What do you want to know based off of what they're going to be contributing during their time in office? Because it almost seemed like they were asking questions to try and pick out their next president. 
Which, which hey, we're, it's a local level. Can we focus on local issues for a second? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was, in, it was insane. Especially seeing it on a local level, it blew my mind. I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. This mm-hmm. is anarchy. This is not what it should be. And you'd think with the amount of technology that we have, that they could just, I don't know, spread it out, do like a four-hour thing or something, and give the give the people participating actual time to think out a response. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the next time they meet back like a week later and they go against each other on what they said. And then the next week it's a new set of questions. Like you think that we could do it better. Right. Yeah. And there are a lot of situations where they'll ask you a question. You don't have professional advice or you haven't reached out to everyone involved with the process of what issue you're talking about so really you're making a a negligent decision yeah but you've got to respond because you're in the time so then you're like well i don't really know anything about this i would trust my advisors like i'd like to get more information yeah Uh and that happens not in campaigns alone that happens at every city council meeting that they have jesus to where it seems like they have not reached out to anyone within the local departments that it's really going to affect that their decision that is, is going insane. to pertain to. Yeah, it is. It is completely insane and frustrating. Which, I bet. To me, it's like if you give me some time to reach out to these people, get involved and take action, then I will definitely do it. And that's the approach that I had. I tried to prepare myself as much as I could for any kind of question that they asked me. That way I had things to say and experience in talking to different types of people because I was one of the only people to reach out to people like the city manager about certain things that I'm like, how do you run for political office and not reach out to the city And you went door to door talking to people, right? Oh, yeah. I can't imagine a lot of your fellow running mates did that yeah i mean that was that was difficult you know it really felt like i started out with nothing and tried to build up this reputation and try and um talk to as many people as i could and get as much insight into all of the different issues because there was there was a few driving ones for me but then there was other things that there's so are many. driving other people yeah. that i think are important too so um it was just learning about that And I really wanted to get as much knowledge as I could so that I could be the best representative that I could be. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, you can only have so much information rolling around in your head at once. Exactly. And that's the whole point of having advisors. That's the whole point of having people around you that you trust who are well-versed in the subject Mm -hmm. is so that you can make a well-informed decision. But that's not represented in these debates because you've got a minute. Mm -hmm. You better have a well-thought-out idea in one minute. Otherwise, that's reflected in the media. Mm -hmm. Like, what? I, it's so mind-boggling that this is still how we're doing it. Yeah. When we could do it so much better. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a million different ways that would be better. You know what I thought was, I have a few different ideas on how we could make political campaigns better. And that would be, you know, taking a, a simple, short um, kind of test on issues that are coming up during the next predicted few years that this person will be in office Mm -hmm. and you just click on which ones you if you'd vote yes or no and then it matches you up with the person that would represent you that way it's like completely issue based so that you know hey if this person gets elected then they're probably going to pick the same thing as me yeah then you could get like a roadmap of kind of where they're at yeah you know and you could kind of follow it and see okay well they'd lean this way for issues like this that'd be a lot better than how it is now Mm -hmm. because most of the time you don't even get a real feel 
for who's on the debate stage. Yeah. You get like the three main driving factors and then that's just repeated yeah. in every question. Exactly. And then the next candidate's trying to say, yeah, I also agree with what he said. Like yeah. those are also my, because they're all competing for and this who, airtime. And who really has time to sit down and watch all of the different debates? Yeah. Nobody. No one. Not in the standard form that we've got them in now. But yeah. if you put it, just put the audio online mm-hmm. or put it out on YouTube and people could watch it in clips or yeah. something. Like we've got so many different mediums to disperse information on and yet we're still doing it at six o'clock on the nightly news. Like what? Yeah. And for like local, it's on the local channel, which I didn't even know what channel it was. I had to find <laughs> that out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you think that they want it everywhere Uh because it impacts everyone so why not make it available to everyone yeah the other thing that i think they should change is instead of just picking one person they should do prioritizing um preference voting okay which if you do the math i took a statistics class on this specific issue at humboldt state which was probably the best class that i took and i don't i don't even like math but i liked that it broke down how you can have the same number of votes come in from different people and you can end up with six different results Mm -hmm. with the same you know kind of i this is my first choice this is this is who i want to vote but based off of if you vote for just one candidate if you vote in preference if you um do condor state criteria instant runoff voting there's all these different things to where you can manipulate how elections are won Mm -hmm. and voting for one person is how we sort of end up with the extremists in office to where if you were voting, let's say, in preference and there's four candidates, you've got a Republican, a Democrat, a Green, and a Libertarian, and you see all of the different issues and let's say that, you know, the the Libertarian or the Green Party candidate is a little bit more center and mm-hmm. will make more people happy with the decisions that they're going to make, but they're usually the second choice. But if you get that second choice person in office, then you're going to have more people happy. Yeah. Well, it's hard, especially if you're a libertarian, because people hear that word and they're like, nope, right off the bat. They don't even want to hear what you've got to say. It's like, (laughs) if you're not a Democrat or a a Republican, you know, um, if you're not in those two groups, eh, you're out right off the gate. Nobody wants to hear what a libertarian has to say, which they've got some points, you know, but we're so ingrained in these two parties Mm -hmm. like we're so latched on it's just you can't break free and how would you now they've got so much power they're they're just ingrained in our society and in our system Mm -hmm. i mean what do you do but i think that would be that'd be a damn good start is Mm -hmm. to implement something like that because then you don't get these wild ideas one of which is how we're handling the whole needle exchange program. Oh, yeah. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Who thought of that? Oh, goodness. Well, when it first was proposed it, um, to Eureka City Council, it made some sense. They already had some Eureka, they already had some needle exchange programs. Here in the in, county? Yeah, in okay. Humboldt County were in it. And um, it was an issue to where you know, people are dying because they're reusing needles. And that's pretty heartbreaking. People are That dying, makes sense. You know? Yes, I would so, get the need for that. So that's how it came forward. But then it turned into this, this monstrosity. Whole, yeah, I mean, the thing was that the needle exchange program was not being ran honestly. They're not even keeping track of the needles they're giving out, right? right. It could be one for one or one for 40, and yeah. they don't even know how many are out there. Yes. 
And that's the issue. And yeah, that's what is where that? that's where kind of centrist people, I think this is how I identify with this issue is I of course do not want people to die from dirty needles. You know, they are they I mean it's terrible. But I also don't want the two-year-old playing at the park to, to get infected himself. with a needle. Yeah. You know? So that's where I think in the best interest of all people in the community, it should be a one-for-one one exchange. And we need to have people, this is a big issue too, is we don't have people holding these programs accountable and doing no checks oversight. and balances. On, yeah, there's no oversight on a lot of different programs where um, people receive government aid. And that is a huge issue because imagine you have a company, you know, whether it be a needle exchange, a tourism company, or you name it. You just received a bunch of money from uh, the general fund of taxpayers in Eureka. How are you going to use that money? And how would the city like you to use that money? But then there's no one monitoring how you're actually spending your time advertising. Well, it goes back to this mismanagement of funds, which we can still see, like the small business loans that they were doing to help small businesses during the pandemic right now. And these giant corporations were taking millions. Yeah. And it's like there was no oversight for that. You think they would have planned for that or at yeah. least had some sort of oversight. Mm -hmm. But they just let these programs run out of control and then oh we got to raise taxes because we need more money to do these programs yeah which makes no sense You're exactly and mm -hmm. the needle thing it just blows my mind because i haven't talked to a single person who's like no yeah like we need this right now like how it's running like this is good this is helping people mm -hmm. everyone's like this is ridiculous there's needles everywhere they're not adhering to any form of a rule with trading needles or anything mm -hmm. i mean and it seems like it's enabling a little bit, doesn't it? That I we're mean, giving these people the utensils to use drugs. Shouldn't we be trying to help them not do that? Yeah, it'd be great if there was a strategy to where we tracked how many we were giving them and then try and encourage them to cut back as, you know, as much as we can. That kind of program would be great. Yeah. And right now there's not. There's come in, get as much as you want. And... You know, we encourage you to drop them off in the containers, but when they're out on drugs, um, how cognitive are they functioning-wise to yeah. go and... Yeah, if you're shooting heroin in the park, I can't imagine you're going to walk a few blocks to go dump yeah. off your needle yeah. when you're done. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Mm -hmm. And I don't get the thought process on that. Why would you expect them to? Yeah. It seems like the money that's going towards this program would be better suited if you created a free rehab center or start started implementing tools to help get them off the drugs mm -hmm. instead of just accepting, okay, they're doing drugs. Let's just make them do cleaner drugs by using these clean needles. Why mm -hmm. not try to get them to stop doing drugs? It would be great. I think that that could be something partnered with the needle exchange program that would be very beneficial as having, because if you tell them we're not going to give you needles unless you bring back your old ones, I think that'll take incentive for them to come back to get more mm -hmm. and then to also have, counseling available and some kind of rehab treatment for them to help them get off of these drugs do you think they care though about using clean needles do the, you think that the that, drug addicts yeah do you think that that's like a priority in their mind because i'm trying to think about how effective it would be if you couldn't just show up and get a needle um if you actually had to bring one 
if they would be as willing to do that as they are to just go get some if they don't have one. I think some would. Yeah. I think some would, yeah. I think some want wouldn't, mm-hmm. but you can't force. Yeah, you can't. So. But it all ties back into the homeless problem, right? Mm-hmm. And I read somewhere that like a third of the homeless community has mental health issues. Up to a third are struggling with some form of substance addiction, but we're not really doing anything. Yeah. Right, which is crazy because there's thousands, there's tens of thousands in in California that mm-hmm. are struggling with this. Yeah. But nobody wants to do anything because you can't move them because then you're gonna have the left riding your ass saying, "Hey, you can't do this." Um, you, I mean, you can't, you can't even kick them or relocate them off the street if they've got their tents, you know, on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous, right? It just it blows my mind. I don't know what, I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we get out of this position. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem like anybody is willing to risk their political reputation to try to do something. Yeah. And to me, I think that there's not, there's not a whole lot that you can do to force someone to change their life, mm-hmm. especially um, once they get to that point where they've been doing it for a long time. It's all they've ever known. It's, it's especially difficult to try mm-hmm. and completely it's like changing someone's culture. It's, yeah. It's hard to get people to change their opinions, let alone Yeah. So I think attitudes. that a lot of this, and like I said, with how many homeless kids we have, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. You think that's where it starts? Yeah. And I used to work as a code enforcement officer for the county of Humboldt, and I had cases dealing with um, children that were homeless living in sh- plywood shacks on the beach. And that was extremely eye-opening to me to see that type of environment to where there's an eight-year-old little boy, doesn't have a shirt on his back, could die any day now, living out in the sand on the beach with no one but his grandmother. No clean water, no food, and people do not realize how this little boy is being brought up. Mm -hmm. And not to say that he couldn't, you know, at 18, turn into a very contributing member of society. But it's so hard. But it is especially difficult for someone growing up in that situation to all of a sudden flip the switch, especially if they're not enrolled in school. Mm -hmm. Then how would they know any better? Yeah, it seems like it almost all ties back to school, right? The school is failing students. Oh, God, the education system is... That's I've got that gripe with universities, too. The whole system Uh is broken yeah and the fact that we're still paying you know tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school Mm -hmm. to get a degree that they tell us we have to have is ridiculous all of the information is online now i cannot i literally cannot wait for the day when these institutions just break down yeah because they should have been the first ones adopting the internet Mm -hmm. every class should be online yeah like it's you could structure it way better than you ever could in person. I've got classes where there's 500 of us in a room. You can't get a seat in the front because those kids show up like 45 minutes early to class. Yeah. There are kids. I would walk by classes and there's kids sleeping in the hall outside of the class. <laughs> yeah. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. They're asleep. They've got their little blanket just laying on the floor. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is this is broken. Yeah. This is so broken. It is. And it's insane. Yeah. But they don't want to change anything. They don't want to give up that power. And now with the coronavirus all these schools going online and everyone's pissed because they're not getting a refund when you're paying to be there in person. Oh yeah. Like the resources that are going into that. Mm -hmm. And 
the schools don't want to give back any money. Where are the checks and balances with the school? There are none, especially with private schools. Mm-hmm. That is just, it's it's an open ball game. Yeah, so that's the entrepreneur that owns the school just taking advantage of all the students. They're not in, they're in business. Yeah. They're not trying to teach people. They're oh, trying yeah. to make money. Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. Like anything else. Definitely. Like Amazon. Mm-hmm. They're just worried about the bottom line. Universities are too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because there's so much information online now. I strongly believe that if not now, then maybe in a year or two, you could learn anything you want to get any degree all online. Yeah. But they're not going to give you that piece of paper. Right? But if I think that YouTube piece of videos, paper is going to start losing value. I think it already has. Because I think people are starting to realize exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And you don't need a degree to be economically successful anymore. Mm-mm. And it's something that was very hard for me to come to terms with in finding a good job and being able to invest money and being financially sustainable is realizing that I don't need that degree because it's so commonly told to... To when I was growing up that I needed to have a degree in order to be wealthy. And you check out all these different sources online of how much college graduates make compared to um, people without their degree. And you see all of these numbers. Mm-hmm. But and it's intimidating. When, it is very intimidating. But then when I went out and I spoke to the most wealthy people that I know, I found that a lot of them didn't have degrees. They most. had real estate. Yeah. And so then I started that kind of clicked in my head where i was like okay well there's got to be something to real estate then yeah and for some reason it's not really being talked about or pushed among millennials especially you know i don't see a whole bunch of young people buying houses because they have so much college debt now and they've you know they've contributed so much time towards that now they don't have a whole lot of work history but they you know, it's it's extremely difficult. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I, you've got this $80,000 piece of paper. You can't go buy a house because you got $80,000. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. the only... Student loans are the only loans that won't ever stop following you. Yeah. Like, you, you can't get out from under them. You can't declare bankruptcy. You can't do anything. Those are with you until you pay them off. And the interest is just racking up. It's like... It's it's ridiculous. It's almost like a system of oppression it in is. some sense. It is, Because yeah. it's just keeping people, you're going to have to work your whole life just and to pay it off. I think for some people, college is a good choice depending on what they want to do. But or I if think, you don't know what you want to do, I, I would th- argue it's a good choice. I think a lot of people, though, shouldn't go to college based off of what their goals are. Um, just because economically it does not make sense. No, it doesn't. You're getting yourself into so much debt that you're going to have to pay. And, you know, in your 20s, you are digging a hole for yourself that you're going to then try and dig out of when you're 30s, when these other people that haven't taken out the student loan debt have already been established. Yeah, you're starting way behind the line of Mm -hmm. everybody else. If we're running a race in life, right, Mm -hmm. and the end game is financial independence, Mm -hmm. you're starting with a handicap. Yeah, yeah. Right off the gate. Yeah. But you're told... From a very young age, if you want to be anything in life, you better go to school. You better go to a university. You better get that degree because it's it's almost more of a status symbol now. Than it is. Anything. It's a, it's completely economic. If you look at all these people that are going to private schools, yeah, how are they paying it? Their parents are paying it. Oh, they yeah. come from very wealthy families. Very few people um, that are going that are attending colleges there are there from lower class 
families. Yeah. And if they went there, they, they might have gotten a scholarship. That's great. But there are some situations where I think that college is a great idea if you have the finances, if, you're, if your parents want to help you with yeah, that. Yeah, you can if, go in and come out you, with yeah, zero debt. Then, do yes, it. do it definitely. But yeah. if you're not in that position, then really not... I'm not saying don't go to college or go to college. I'm just saying reconsider. Think about it. Yeah. Figure out if it's actually right for you. Yes. Because I would argue... And I feel like it's been this way for a while. If you have a strong worth work ethic, you don't need college. Mm -hmm. Your work ethic is going to be the determining factor in where you go in life. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen people, I'm sure we both have, people that have, you know, gone to high school and maybe that's where it stopped or dropped out of high school and they're extremely successful. And it's because they worked their ass off. They bought real estate. They invested. Um, they were fiscally responsible, which... Not a lot of people from our generation are, you know, everyone's got to have that new truck or the new iPhone or the new watch mm -hmm. and it cripples you in yeah. the long run mm -hmm. when you're just blowing money and you're taking out loans and you're doing all this stuff. It's ridiculous, but nobody wants to talk about it Yeah, because you've got to go to school. It's, it's difficult too, especially because a lot of people you hear in their 20s are saying that they want to go out and really enjoy their 20s and live life to the fullest. And I mean, yeah, you can do that, but you can also do that in a way that you're not blowing all the money in your bank account because yeah. you really want to make sure that you are aware of the advantages that you have in your 20s, such as compound interest and Roth IRAs and 401ks and all of these different things that are going to build up over time because you've got time on your side. Yeah. you invest if you're now, in your 20s oh my god yes and that is so huge because really if you're able to contribute right now towards a roth ira and you have that compound interest that's going to be like your dollar right now is worth exponential to compared to just 10 years from now mm -hmm. if you decide to do that when you're 30 but nobody wants to look but that no far one, ahead right no one i mean it's just it's just not taught in school so how would you expect a society of kids growing up in school to know about these these yeah. advantages that they have that and really that boils down to self-education of finances and reading economic books about investing and if your goal is to be financially independent then i would recommend which it, it seems like it should be everybody it people. should be everybody's right so, everybody talks about it yeah but talking about it and enacting it are two very different things it's just yeah it takes a lot of self-research self-discipline um, discipline discipline is huge with making sure that you're saving and investing um but see, nobody wants huge. to hear that. Like, nobody <laughs> wants to do that. Nobody wants to, you know, eat shit for 10 years in their 20s just saving money when they could be going on this cruise with their buddies and drinking mm -hmm. for a week straight or yeah. going out and partying every night or buying a new truck so that they can roll around and impress their friends. Nobody wants to feel like a loser. Yeah. Which you kind of got to eat but if you, you want to save. But you also have that advantage in your 20s of no one expects you to have all that stuff when you're 20. You yeah. know, yeah, like for me right now, I I just bought a house and I'm 21 and I do have a new truck and I do have, um, you know, money set aside in retirement accounts and I go out and I can enjoy the weekends now. But up until um, this point, I was basically had no social life at all. I was working uh, 70 to 80 hour weeks, yep. different jobs and sacrificing that. And listen, I'm only 21 years old and I've already been able to buy a house and 
have a new truck and be financially okay and I don't have any student loan debt and that is I think yeah you got to sacrifice a little bit of time but it doesn't take that long for you to get ahead once you commit to that and it's so much more beneficial in the long run yeah like if you just grind in your 20s you have you could have another 70 years to just enjoy yep. what you built. And I think that people need to realize that, yes, it is possible to retire very, very early. If you are determined, if you've got that good worth ethic, if you know what the principles are to financing, if you've got that education, then yes, you you definitely can. And you know, there's so many people that will tell you that you can't. There were so many people that told me that there's no way that I'd buy a house um, at the time that I did in the area that I did. And I liked that I could prove them wrong. Yeah, you did it. And there was a time where everyone said I couldn't. And I was the only person that thought, okay, well, I'm going to keep trying. And that's really what you got to do sometimes is just believe in yourself. Keep it. Keep grinding. Keep, your head keep down. investing. Um, and just show them that you can do it and do go out and reach out to the home lenders and real estate agents and find out what all of your opportunities are because there's there's times where I made offers on houses and they got denied. Mm -hmm. There's times where I went to different lenders and they told me their set of rules. They said, well, you've got to have the same job for two years straight. You've got to have this income, but you go to a different lender and they tell you different things. So then yeah. you got to reach out to all these different resources that you have available to you to see how can you make this work do you think people i think i'm a little cynical on my outlook of most people do you think people are just lazy um, or do you think it comes from education because i know a lot of smart people um but not i don't know a lot of people that are saving that are stockpiling that are trying to build something long term that are that have that foresight to look into the future especially at our age i mm -hmm. mean people in their 40s and 50s get it a little bit more because they've lived a little bit longer they've got that better outlook on life or not necessarily better but they can see we're playing a long game this is chess you know you gotta be able to look 10 moves ahead and be like this is where i gotta this is what i gotta do to get there mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like you know people our age or people younger can do that that almost seems like a philosophical question okay <laughs> i can see that and it seems like you know you cannot say you know, why does this person have this drive? Mm -hmm. um, there could be different reasons for different people. But for most of the people that I've realized in their young 20s, um, early 20s, is that they've been through a lot of suffering and they know what it feels like to be poor. They know what it feels like to um, have uh, be in difficult situations and they know the value of their money mm -hmm. and how important it is to not feel like how they felt before in the past. And I see those people are typically the ones that are oh, really yeah. go-getters that are that, that struggle. That, it yeah. builds the fire inside of you that oh, carries yeah. you through life. Mm -hmm. And that's why they say that, like, you know, it's the analogy of, you know, the father who had it hard builds an empire and the son who was spoiled destroys it. Yes. Because they don't have any struggle. They don't know the grind that you have to go through. So, yes, I could say that that would be an educational thing. Mm -hmm. But do you really want to educate people on through suffering? You know, is that something? No, definitely. You don't and want so people to have a hard life. That's why people, that's why most people our age, I feel, um, are not in that situation. Because, you know, how do you 
instill those How lessons. How do you instill drive in someone? So what do you do then? Do I mean, are people just destined to either figure it out or not on their own? I mean, is there any way that you could? Because you're right. I think it does boil down to the challenges that you faced in your life mm-hmm. and whether you want to rise above that and prove people wrong mm-hmm. and you've got that drive inside of you or if you want to work just enough to be able to, you know, see the game on Friday night or go hit your local bar and hang out with your buddies. Mm-hmm. Like what, where, which is fine. There's nothing wrong yeah, with that. If that's what you want that. yeah. from life. That's awesome. Um, I want more than that from my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's, you got to have that drive to get there. You know, something that really changed the way that I think about things is that I had a businessman tell me about all of the things that he had achieved when he started just working at a gas station and he showed me his lifestyle. I got to have this mentor and to to really get an ambitious person to that end result, you just have to show them. You don't have to tell them how to do that. They will figure it out on their own. But once they know that lifestyle's out there, they will go out and they'll achieve it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge thing too, is that how how much are people getting out and witnessing firsthand the way that other people live? Are they surrounding themselves with more economically savvy people in mm-hmm. that lifestyle? Or are they, or the, are they surrounding themselves with people that um, do also don't care about economics, people that also have had the same lifestyle as them their whole entire life? And I think that also has to do with that. Because if you're around, you know, all these really nice things and these um, – different kinds of lifestyle of being able to travel whenever you want to making this contribution um being able to donate to this certain charity you just got the money and seeing how that how that is how that feels how they do it then that can inspire you to go out and do it yourself yeah you want more a lot of that is who are you surrounding yourself with i think that's a big part of it too well yeah because if you surround yourself with a bunch of friends that you know don't have any motivation aren't trying to achieve anything or aspiring to you know accomplish much you're going to fall into that circle Mm -hmm. with the exception i would say an exception is parents so if your parents are doing really well off and you're spending a lot of time with your parents yeah odds are they're contributing to your income yeah and they're not really putting that fire under you if anything they're extinguishing that fire by giving you that extra for every dollar that they're giving you that's a dollar that you're now not making yeah they're almost crippling you yes in a sense yeah right and it's it's a hard truth because would I much rather have my parents give me oh, money? Oh God, yeah. Of course I would. But <laughs> right, who would? I would way rather have my parents write me a weekly check yeah. and just say, "Here you go, go have fun." That would be amazing. Right. But how realistic is that for most of us? Yeah. Right. No. Mm-hmm. And I think a big factor is most people are living in social media. Oh yeah. Which is crippling them because you're looking at all these. It's kids. a fake world. Oh my God, it's, it's plastic. Yeah. It's plastic. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone or most people recognize that, but you can't pull yourself out of the bubble. I don't know if a lot of people recognize that or not yet. I, I feel like a lot of people are so into status. Oh, definitely. And that is one way. I mean, everyone looks at life different. Like you and I were talking about how we want to be financially independent. And we see that as a way of a successful goal. Some people... I feel are probably just focused on their status. They just want to have a good status in life. And the way to attain that is through social media, not necessarily to be financially independent, but to have the, I don't know what you would say. Create the perception that you're 
Yeah. Living this lifestyle mm-hmm. when you're really not. Yeah. And that's all you're seeing on social media. You're seeing everybody's highlights, mm-hmm. everybody's mansion. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know if they're just running that to take the picture or they're standing in front of somebody else's to take, you know, to take a picture of it. Like mm-hmm. it's all choreographed. It's yeah. all fake. Uh-huh. It's all smoke and mirrors. But when you're looking at it and if you're consumed by it, then you've got to portray that. Like, oh, my friend just bought a $100,000 truck. I got to do something. Like, let me go take out a loan and get this other nice car. Let me go buy a BMW. Let me go buy this nice pair of jeans. When you could go to Big Five, or not Big Five, but Walmart mm-hmm. and get jeans for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. But you can't wear Walmart jeans and go out in public and go to class because what are you, poor? Yeah. Like that perception of just... It's the perception. A lot yeah. of people have a hard time with that is, you know... And How do other people perceive me? Yeah. And it shouldn't... I think it shouldn't be about any of that. I mean, it shouldn't be about... To me, what's much more important is the numbers of, you know, your investments. What do you have in your bank what account? What do you have in your bank account? Not yeah. how you look to other people. Yeah. And that's, and when it comes down to it, would you rather have a bunch of money in the bank and have a bunch of investments or would you rather be, you know, barely getting by, but you've got a cool pair of jeans and a you've cool got three million you know? followers on Instagram. Yeah. I think people would pick the Instagram. Yeah. Today. And think, isn't that sad? <laughs> like, it's crazy. It is. It's it kind is of a mind of, fuck because yeah. why? What are you yeah. getting out of those followers? They don't even know you in real life. You maybe know what? 20 of them uh-huh. maybe you talk to five on a regular basis but you've got three million and mm-hmm. you could flex with that yeah but what there's no return on your investment for the time that you put into social media yeah there's really not there's mm-hmm. nothing yeah i mean unless you're building like a brand or um, something yeah. with it but i mean you can make money off of the things like youtube or yeah and that's that i would strongly encourage because you can create and you know people can learn things from you but in sites like tiktok then what? i refuse to be on tiktok <laughs> i refuse to even download it i that's the thing that makes me feel like i'm 70 is because people are talking about tiktok and i'm like i don't even really get it's like a vine spinoff like do you have the attention span of a goldfish yeah like, what? <laughs> what are we doing here guys tiktok what were you're dancing for 10 seconds like what are, i there's so much that's the problem there's so much interesting shit out on social media and there's so much just meaningless stuff Mm -hmm. just stuff that's literally just there to consume 10 seconds or a minute yeah that you get nothing out of it's like oh like what are we what are we doing right now Mm -hmm. what is this yeah it's entertainment instead of education that is a really good way to look at it yeah but you can use social media for education. You oh, just absolutely. Gotta, you just got to use it correctly as it that It could be tool. a tool. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Definitely. But how many people are doing that? Yeah. I, I mean. That's that's one of the things is most people are using social media in an unhealthy way and only feeding that, um, you know, entertainment side of it. It really is weird when you think about them, especially Instagram. That, okay, I'm just going to take a picture of myself. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to think of a witty caption. I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe add a filter, maybe do something, I don't know, edit something, mm-hmm. and you just put it out there. I'm just mm-hmm. going to take more pictures of myself. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> Why? Well, I I would argue that some of that just has to do with people that you don't talk to, have a way to see what you're up to. And that's okay for the social part mm-hmm. of it. But a lot of the things that I see that I, I think are harm more harmful than helpful 
is yeah. the the things that really distract you. And if you're spending a bunch of time on social media, not really learning anything productive, just watching a bunch of half naked people, you that's know, time dancing suck, which around. is all it is right <laughs> now. It's yeah, that's all it is. It's just half naked people or people in swimsuits or food pictures. Like, yeah. what is happening? <laughs> It's crazy when you yeah. think about it, when you mm-hmm. take a beat and you're like, okay, what is this? It doesn't seem, It do, it's crazy how it's just blown up. Yeah. And everybody's got it now. Everybody's yeah. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Most people have an Instagram. Twitter's out there. Mm-hmm. Like, and Twitter, it does not seem like an effective form of communication. And I know a lot of people say that, but it's like, how do you get it? It's like back to the debate thing where you've got a minute to talk. Okay, Twitter, you've got, what is it, like 100 characters or... 140 or something yeah and you got to put out something mm-hmm. and then people can take it and they can turn it or blow it up or do whatever with what you just said yeah. might not even be what you meant yeah but it's out there now. i hate it when people do that and that's like part of the the really short attention span thing of you know i could say um i have a 750 credit score you can have one too and then I don't explain how. Yeah. You know, like. It's I, all clickbaiting. Yeah, like, yeah. I'd like to know how you got yourself to where you are. That way I can use this as an educational thing. Yeah. And to explain buy my, that. Buy my $20 premium account to figure out how yeah. you can get here too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it would be great to have more educational, explained thoroughly of you know, maybe I should do a YouTube channel on like all this stuff yeah. and like really explain like step by step how to do it because it seems like not a whole lot of people do that. And maybe it's because it, like, let's say I make a video and it gets like two views because it's too long. You know, maybe that's I why. would I would watch it. I think you should do that. <laughs> like, you seem like a as good a person as anybody. I mean, you're on the right path, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. It's inspirational. I would definitely check it out. It's just interesting because you notice this with other things, not just with you know, the educational, but let's say you're, you see this a lot with girls with social media and Instagram is they'll, they'll have a picture of them with their dog or something really, really just simple. But then you'll see a picture of them half naked and it'll have like three times as many likes, of likes and, you know, going it, viral. It's like, yeah, it's hypersexualized. I, I get it. Yeah. And that's the way that our society is. Um, you know but but how do you pump the brakes on that now that it started because it's out there if you want to get a lot of likes you got to show a little cleavage you got to put your butt out there like how do we pump the brakes and go back people are starting to be aware of it you know i think people are starting to wake up to that yeah i i do um i stopped following accounts that were basically primarily that like once a girl started doing that and that's all they did i'm like well i don't need this in my life like i'm not learning anything i'm not um you know getting anything from this so i'm just gonna stop following this person and start following more economic accounts or like whatever business something that's gonna benefit me yeah and i think the you can kind of do that and mm-hmm. see, well, is this person, you know, do, you know, that sort of thing. And a lot of it is, you know, our, our culture around that is also, I think, starting to change a little bit. I have hopes that we're starting to mature <laughs> as people and that we're not so shallowly into how someone looks. I don't know. Because, I mean, plastic surgery now is huge. Yeah. Everybody's getting something done. Mm-hmm. You gotta have a bigger butt. You gotta fix your nose. You gotta yeah trim some fat somewhere. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like 
well, I mean, it's cliche, but it seems like the more integrated we get in social media, the more it's all visual. The more we want to look better, the more you got to portray your highlights. Yeah. You can't. And we talked about this on an earlier podcast, but you can't make a mistake anymore because everything's out there. And yeah. Everything's on social media and every moment is documented. And if you slip up or say something or do something when you're young, you don't have the opportunity to grow from that because you're always going to be that person now. Yeah, right? isn't that terrible? It's insane. But you know what? I almost feel like I'd really like to share all of my failures so that people it's don't important. make them. You know? yeah. And also, you know, I'm human. I'm not. Everybody is. You're going to make a mistake. Yeah. I mean, and the mistakes that I've made, I can, I've learned from it. And that's something that I hope that other people can learn from also. That's how it should be. You yeah. should want to share that so that other people don't fall into those same pitfalls. Yeah. But everybody's so scared. Now. Yeah. Because if you say the wrong thing or write the wrong caption or your post is misinterpreted, mm-hmm. you're done. Mm-hmm. Like it gets blown up. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. It is very crazy. I mean, nobody wants to let you grow. Yeah. It's well, like no matter the- what you do. No matter what it is, you could do the most positive thing. You could be donating all this money to all these different, um, you know, causes that are great. And people are still going to say what they want to say. Oh, they're still going to hate you. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what. There are people out there that just want to shit on you just because you're doing something that they're not or you're just trying to better yourself. Oh, yeah. I had the same thing. I mean, I actually had that happen to me when I was out in Mozambique living there. Really? People were telling me that I was racist. Because I was, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the thing was people, people will just say what they want to say. And it, it's, it, it, that wouldn't even be like a failure for me to go there and volunteer, right? But to some people, they, they just want to tear others down if they thought that they couldn't do it or, you know, it's. Well, so everyone's got, normally back in the day, everyone has an opinion, right? But you can only get your opinion to five other people. Yeah. And if you're just spewing shit, those five people aren't going to be your friends anymore. Mm-hmm. But now you can say whatever you want, whenever you want, and it can go anywhere. I could talk to somebody in Africa. I could talk to somebody in Egypt and just start talking shit to them. I don't even know them. Yeah. But that's like what it is, right? <laughs> You've got people that are just spewing shit at you who don't know you, who are just doing it. I don't know. They could be trolling or they might feel that way genuinely. But it's like... At least I'm trying, right? At mm-hmm. least I'm trying to do something. Like, yeah. How is that not positive? Yeah. Especially your volunteer work. Like, what? Oh yeah. I mean, Crazy, why? Where right? does that stem from? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. I mean, everyone has different opinions. Which is good. We should have different opinions. Mm-hmm. Life would be incredibly boring if we all felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And there is something called polit- political correctness in everything that you do. There's a way to politically do it in a correct manner and some people will jump to conclusions and think that you're not doing it in a correct way because you can do the wrong thing with all the right intentions that's still a possibility and yeah. there's people that will call you out on that and there might be truth to it there there might not be it's it's really up to the perception but people are very quick to jump to conclusions and they don't like to hear about how someone else is doing it if they had the opportunity that went by already. They, yeah. I mean, some it just has to do with how people react to things. Well, and that the whole PC culture thing is insane. Oh, yeah. Right? It's because getting now out of everybody's hand. revolting. You've got one side that's like, 
I'm going to say what I want, when I want, I don't care how it makes you feel. And then Mm -hmm. you've got the other side that's, you know, this is my space. You Mm -hmm. can't say that to me. Yeah. Um, And it's a huge problem. And I think part of it stems from coddling to some instance. We're telling kids, you know, other people need to be nice to you. You know, other people need to do all this stuff for you when no, you know, life is hard. Life Mm -hmm. sucks. Life is going to beat you down a few times. Mm -hmm. If you're lucky, it's only going to be a few. Yeah. But it's going to be hard Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a struggle. And that's what we should be telling people, not, oh, other people have to make you feel good. Yeah. Not other people have to do things your way to make you feel good Mm -hmm. because that's not life. That's not realistic. Yeah, it's not. You've got to have, to some extent, thick skin. Yeah. Life is You're not going to survive (laughs) if you don't have thick skin, right? Yeah. Uh There's some foul people out there who are going to say some some stuff that's just wild Mm -hmm. and if you can't take that it can cripple you Mm -hmm. but that's not what we're teaching people yeah we're saying hey you know you deserve for the world to treat you right Mm -hmm. and that's just not realistic realistically the world doesn't know you anything the world doesn't even know you most of the time right how many people are going to die and just be gone when you think about it, that's mm-hmm. a, that's kind of a crazy thought. You're just gone. Like, what's your impact? How many people have a genuine impact? Not just on the people's lives around you, which is important, but on, you know, society as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard. It's going to yeah. be a struggle, especially if you're in, you know, the political view, because most people are going to hate you no matter what you do. It yeah. could benefit them. It could benefit another group, but they're going to hate you regardless. Yeah. Just because you're there, you know, uh-huh. you're in the eye. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, that. there's not a whole lot that you... Something that I want to point out, though, is that I hear this a lot from both sides, mm-hmm. is what they're entitled to. I hate that word. And I I also don't like that word because in reality, um, the world doesn't give you entitlement. No. You know, you, if you were born in the United States, then you're already a pretty entitled person because you were born here. But if you were born in a different part of the world, you know, they don't have those standards. So really it comes down to... Um, not just not your your basic human rights, but basically your government in in stated rights. Yeah, because your basic human rights is n- worldwide. There's there's no basic human rights. No, it varies there, wildly. Yeah, I mean, there's mo- one. Of, you know how COVID nineteen is really scaring and affecting a lot of people right yeah. now. Some people are dying. Well. World hunger is affecting way more people. Way more people. And for most people in the United States, they say, well, that's my basic human right to food. But no, that's that's what your government has It's like, yeah. Even the one that is kind of funny is everyone's like, you know, in the US, freedom. That's your basic human right. But it's not. Mm -hmm. People people are dying every day. People are dying every second to protect that. Yeah. But they don't think about it. They're like, no, this is how was this is how it's always gonna be yeah but that could change in the blink of an eye you know what i mean yeah and like you said food you would like to think that someone try and buy you and then see how you feel (laughs) that changes your whole perspective right (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think if somebody tried to buy me i might have a way different outlook on life that would probably yeah it would change a few things yeah i mean right yeah that's some people's reality Mm -hmm. 
They don't get, you know, they don't get the things that others have because it, there's no standard across the board. Yeah. There's just not. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if there was, you know, if we could wave a magic wand and everyone had these basic human rights, life would be incredible. Yeah. But that's, it's just not that. Mm-hmm. And it might not ever be that. And so mm-hmm. instead of telling people, hey, you are entitled to this, you're not entitled to anything. Yeah. There's not, I can't think of a single thing that you just get. Mm-hmm. Everything is earned or is fought for or achieved in some way or another. Exactly. Nothing's just given to you. Yeah. And if you really want to have more um, power or more freedoms in your city, state, or country, then you need to realize what it takes to achieve that through the government, through instituting different laws, through going out there and talking to people, not just sitting back and, you know, instating your own. Yeah, I think that's why social media is so effective is because you don't have to leave the couch. Mm -hmm. I can talk shit from my bed. I can wake up in the morning, log into Facebook and just start (laughs) talking shit and then go about my day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas back in the day, if you didn't like... Um, you know, in a political sense, if you didn't like somebody's politics, you would have to go to them and mm-hmm. say, hey, I've got a problem with all of this. Mm-hmm. Now I can just tweet you. Yeah. Hey, you're retarded. This this what you're putting out is dumb. I don't like this. Like, yeah. You don't have to do anything now. Yeah. It's crazy. It got to the point where I was receiving hate mail. Oh, my God. Like in the actual mail? Yeah. That's dedicated, though. Yeah. Who writes letters in it? You have to <laughs> really hate somebody to write them a letter. What? I know. I don't know how I got this honor of oh uh, making God. so many enemies. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, just be, I'd just start throwing them in the fire and laugh and be like, I'm like, I can't believe you invested time I, in doing and this. And that's the good way. That's the good way to look at it. That's how you, you should you got to laugh it. because yeah. it's so ridiculous. And that's how you should really react to a lot of things when people are, you know, making these comments about you instead of being overly defensive yeah you can't just, internalize it yeah just laugh it off yeah, did you know that they said that laughter it pre- it releases the same hormones in the brain as crying does it really so why not laugh it off instead of crying and getting all Way worked better. up you know yeah. like, it, and it is kind of funny when when people um will make these statements about you if you can find some humor in it then that's that's great yeah my dad used to always say, you know, you learn things that you didn't even know about yourself, right? You're like, wow, I didn't know all yeah. this. And it's like, that's an interesting story. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's that's how you've got to look at it. Because otherwise, it can just, it can tear you up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if all you're reading is just the garbage of the internet directed at you, then shit's crippling. You're yeah. not going to get anywhere. You're not going to benefit. It's not positive. Mm-hmm. I mean... Most of it is negative. Yeah. A lot of what, if you Google my name and you click on some links or um, if you search on different things that have been written about me on Facebook, it's mostly negative. That is so crazy. And I um, <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny because a lot of them are not based on anything, anything that I've said. Yeah. You know? So there was the, you know how on Facebook there's different groups that are private, but mm-hmm. if you tag someone in it, they can see it. Yeah. Well, there was a few different times where these groups would be talking about how I was a mean person in high school or I was um, a bully or I stole money from whatever. And it would just be kind of outrageous claims. And I would see it and I would see the hundred comments about, 
oh my goodness, what? How, how is she running for a political office and more smack talk? And I read through it and I kind of laughed and I, I, was, I wanted to comment at the bottom, these accusations are not true. Um, but I, like, I also eat small children yeah. in my spare time. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you guys didn't even know the half of it. Keep digging. <laughs> like, so what are funny. we doing? Yeah, but in that situation, I couldn't even say anything yeah. at the bottom of it because it's the private yeah. group. But I still thought, you know, maybe this is why I got hate mail. I just I, I laugh because <laughs> it's like you what you really have nothing better to better do, with, to do. You, yeah. with your time. Yeah. Like, Especially when they're like, it's the same person commenting fast. Yeah. Like, just gunning for you day after day. It's like, dude, don't you, like, aren't you working? Don't you have something you should be doing, mm -hmm. you know? I yeah. mean, <laughs> you feel this strongly that you just got to keep posting post after post? Like, mm -hmm. come on. What are we doing here? Yeah, I tried to not block anyone during this really? whole process. Oh, I block people. I, thought, I don't need that negativ negativity in my life. It's out. Yeah. I, I actually thought that it would be great to have my haters still there mm -hmm. because I don't want to just receive positivity. Yes. I'd you can also get a bubble like, like that. Yeah. I also want to know what are all my haters saying? There was only one person that I blocked and that because that is because they were stalking me. But uh, other than that, I mean, the people that were just running their mouths and mm -hmm. you know, saying all these things I, I thought that it was still in a way beneficial because i use if i use it constructively then that can be a really good thing which is why also why i think i'm not so extremely left mm -hmm. is because i grew up in a, a right side like my parents are republican mm -hmm. and um a lot of the people that i went to school with were republicans um, a lot of the people that I went to school with were liberal. Most of my teachers were liberal. I ended up being more liberal. But I'm not going to not listen to what the right side has to say. They do have I good want points to listen occasionally. To, yeah. And I want to listen to their reasoning behind why they think the way that they think. And maybe, which does happen sometimes, I can convince them of the other way. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they convince you, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think, personally, I... I mean, I don't really get any comments from this. At least I've gotten comments in life, you know, but I don't take, I don't take the positive or the negative at face value. I would yeah. much rather talk to somebody in person mm -hmm. and even more so talk to somebody that actually knows me or knows what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then I'll take their input into account because yeah. most people online don't know you. Mm -hmm. So even if they're saying something good, you don't know, maybe they just, you know, maybe they just liked how your hair looked that yeah. day so they want to agree with you you yeah. know what i mean it's hard you can't really take you can't really take any of it at face value mm -hmm. you got to be in the real world to get real feedback yeah to some extent and i think that a lot of it can be very constructive oh yeah but when it i mean i see this happening a lot online especially is when people get into some kind of full-on political debate and Those then comments get nasty. the comments get nasty. And that's when you lose the debate. When you start attacking the person, you're no longer talking about the subject. You're talking about the person. How they look. And it completely defeats the purpose of having the conversation. Yeah, we're not even talking anymore. And that's when I stop talking to people if they start to say, well, uh, you're a liar and a fat mouth and like, okay. <laughs> that's how you know they're just reaching. It's like, okay, you've got no other points yeah. for the subject. We're just going to start attacking each other now. Yeah. And those are the types of people that I don't discuss well you you can't you can't have an actual conversation 
an enlightening conversation with someone who A, doesn't respect facts and who B, isn't open to new ideas mm -hmm. or isn't opening to actually... Because a lot of people want to go into a conversation to try to convince you. They yeah. don't want to go into a conversation to actually talk about something or... And learn. Yeah, or mm -hmm. to learn. They want to go because they've got an idea and they want you to believe that too. Yeah. And those are the people where you can try. I've tried, but you don't really gain anything from it. Mm -hmm. It's just like they try to browbeat you into something. And I've, you know, I've done that before. And then you got to take a look back at yourself and be like, well, okay, like this is not... I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be closed off. And then you got to start opening your doors to new ideas, you know? Mm -hmm. And I noticed that, like you said, it's beneficial to talk to someone in person more often because how often are you going to talk to someone? They're going to disagree with you and then they're just going to start attacking how you look. Yeah. Like that rarely happens in person. Yeah. People won't say 99% yeah. <laughs> yeah. of the stuff they say to you online Yeah. <laughs> because it's behind a screen, right? You can't do anything to me. Yeah. But if you're in front of me and you're talking shit or saying some foul <laughs> stuff like you might get decked yeah. and then it's like okay there's a new level to it right yeah nobody ever talks shit to your face most people don't 99 mm -hmm. percent. yeah it's all online yeah i i personally like people that talk shit to my face oh yeah i'd way rather you say it to my <laughs> face because then i know okay you're you're a little serious about it maybe there's something i should be looking at maybe yeah, yeah. but if you're just saying it online you're just you know, maybe you're taking a shit or you're going to the bathroom or you're walking your dog and you're bored and you just want to take a swipe at somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how genuine it is when it's all online because everything's fake. Yeah. Or most things are fake. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. How was it growing up in a Republican household? That's I always find that interesting when someone's like, yeah, my parents are Republican and then they're Democrat or vice versa. I yeah. always think that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, my parents were both pretty conservative uh, growing up. I grew up with a strange childhood. I didn't watch a whole lot of cartoons. Um, I was mostly teaching myself how to play piano in the corner, like reading or, you know, doing that sort of thing. But when my dad would come home, we would watch college basketball or Fox News together. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Pretty strange. So I grew up watching, you know, basketball and politics from Fox News. Uh -huh. Terrible. Anyways, but um, <laughs> it was, it kind of gathered my interest in politics growing up. Okay. Because that's what I was used to listening to and hearing my dad and what he had to say about it. And then eventually, as I got more involved and started paying more attention and doing my own research, as I finally had the opportunity to go online and, you know, look up different sources and talk to different teachers and see what they had to say, um, I started to form my own opinions that were different. Mm -hmm. And in my family, we have a really great established communication to where it doesn't get personal. It doesn't start That's attacking. That's a good thing to have. It's, yeah, it's all centered around well, this is why. This is my facts behind yeah. why I think this. And it, it helps. It helps out a lot, actually, having someone that you love have a completely different opinion than you. Mm -hmm. I think that's good. Mm -hmm. Having your ideas challenged is a good thing because oh, it, yeah. it either strengthens um, you know, the facts that you use for your argument or mm -hmm. it makes you consider another side of you, Yeah, which there's nothing bad in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really cool. My yeah. parents were both, um, are both, are, you know, Democrats. Um, my sister is too. 
so I I was never really I had to go outside of my household to be challenged a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But most of my friends are left leaning, and I never really watched Fox News. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always like MSNBC or NBC. You know what I mean? We were always that was our consumption. But you know, then you go out into the real world, and then you start seeing other sides. Yeah, and then that's how I started questioning things. Yeah, so it's not all this you for know, me it was like side. i was always in a corner i was the only one <laughs> 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 my grandma my, my both my parents my all my brothers I, i'm one of six children oh wow um, oh i didn't know that yeah so i'm the second oldest but it, it's just me you know yeah. <laughs> and i'm pretty passionate about <laughs> it <laughs> once i start talking that's a good thing <laughs> more people should be passionate about things yeah who wants to go <clears throat> live through life not caring about anything. Yeah. Where's the fun in that? What are you going to get? Mm-hmm. You know, people like to, everybody likes to talk shit about Trump, except for those people that ride for him, right? Yeah. <laughs> but one thing you got to give him credit for is he has exposed the media in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy to think that our news is so biased, but all you, you just have to sit down and watch 20 minutes of it and you're going to be like, okay, yeah, I get it. You know yeah, what I mean? That's really one of the main reasons why I don't trust getting too involved with things that are over my head mm-hmm. with okay i'm not there i don't yeah. i don't actually know and the news could be skewing this 80 percent which most of the time i would argue that they do yeah maybe not 80 percent, but they definitely skew it a little bit mm-hmm. or you know jazz it up to make people want to listen yeah mm-hmm. which it's crazy that we don't have a platform or some site where you can go and just get unbiased facts. Mm-hmm. Just the facts. Yeah. You know, some website or something. It's crazy to think that, no, it's all, there's always a spin on it mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah. I mean, you watch Fox News, it's going to, you're right. You know, you're on that right platform. You watch NBC, you're on the left. There's not really anything, at least here, right? You could always go to the BBC or check out another country's perception of us. And maybe that'd be a little more in the middle well yeah we got to push that self-education over edu- uh, over entertainment theory that's the problem right mm-hmm. the news it's not the news maybe it really it's never was it's political entertainment. theater yeah it's theater yeah. yeah and i the more you know the more i watch the news especially in the past years it's it blows your mind a little bit because they've got obviously they've got their ads that they're doing to make money and then they've got their daytime talk spots where it's just them just talking about random shit or playing games and it's like isn't this the news like mm-hmm. can't we just have some facts and now with the pandemic it's oh my god trump is ruining the world trump is doing all this bad stuff they're trying to play gotcha with mm-hmm. him yeah to just because they hate him so much they can't even focus on anything else yeah it's just getting him or you know blowing something up so that people watch because yeah. i can't imagine the news is doing as well as it was 30 years ago mm-hmm. like they've got to be bleeding cash to some extent oh right? yeah oh yeah i mean news broadcasters locally aren't making nearly enough money yeah for you gotta have a second job yeah it's terrible yeah it really is but you know if you're passionate about something then go for it and figure out a way to make it work yeah but i think that is a big thing like going back to being passionate about something a lot of people don't know what they like and don't like even now still well, they're not experiencing enough. And there's so many different choices out there. Oh, God, yeah. You could do, you could go be 
a spear fisherman off the coast of South America. Mm-hmm. And that could be your job. That could be what you do for the next 40 years. Yeah. Or what people don't, you know, really think about is that you don't have to do anything for very long. Mm-hmm. You could go over here and do something for six months or a year and then move and go do something else. Yeah. You can do, like, you don't have to be grounded. The idea that you have to get a job and work at that job for 40 years and then you can retire and you know have the white picket fence in the house with the nice lawn like that idea it's it's disintegrating a little bit right Mm -hmm. which is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. like life is it's long but it's so short relative to time Mm -hmm. and god don't you want to live it yeah in a way that makes you happy Mm -hmm. like but then we go back to do you want to please other people Mm-hmm. And so most people get that boring desk job that they hate because, you know, they've got a family or they want to please their parents or they want to please their friends or, you know, they've got all these social pressures that they put on themselves by mm-hmm. giving power to those people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still have people all the time tell me, why aren't you in school full time or yeah. Why didn't you end up getting your degree? And economically, it didn't make sense. And even though I had a lot of pressure and also to get married, my parents got married at <laughs> 20 years old and they're still married. And I get that pressure from my parents. Like, yeah. why aren't you married? Well, I mean, it didn't make sense for me to go to college because of money. It doesn't make sense for me to get married because I haven't found the right person. Yeah. So all these pressures that you face, you've got to realize that you are in control of your own life. And what really matters to you is going to be what's going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And that's where you should go with it. Despite what everyone is telling you yeah. and what people are expecting from you, you need to do what's going to make you happy. happy. Is that marriage, is the marriage push still super big? I mean, I'll, I, from a guy's perspective, like we're never really, like that's never really a thing, you know, pushed to, oh, you're, you know, you're. 22 you better get married like you're mm-hmm. getting older like we don't really have or at least i never really had any pressure with that mm-hmm. like is that still a thing oh yeah it's still a thing for a lot of different people yeah. not only women i have also heard that it's a thing for guys depending mm-hmm. on how traditional their family is um but yeah it is a common thing still which you know it's if you haven't met the right person or you're not ready for that then don't do it yet. yeah there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that like yeah but everybody's got their own perception of same how with having kids if you're not ready yeah. to have kids yet or if you have kids when you're young that's totally fine everyone's living their own life they've got their own things going on you know do what makes you happy yeah despite whatever everyone else is saying yeah as and long as you're happy at the end of the day yeah whatever your goals are go for it but you got to be strong but yeah exactly you gotta be strong don't let whatever road you go down because people are going to have comments mm-hmm. people are going to have their own perception of how you should be living your life which is crazy because what i do as long as i'm not hurting anybody it doesn't really affect anybody else mm-hmm. right yeah and i'm the only one that's living that life you mm-hmm. know what i mean so you got to choose what you want to do yeah that's hard for people mm-hmm. understandably and it's especially hard, um, I think, when people say, well, you're not going to amount to what you want to be if you don't do it this way. Yeah. That happens a the lot. The disappointment tinge in mm-hmm. that, you know, that's what gets you. Mm-hmm. That would always be, whenever I get in trouble, that would always be the thing that would hurt the most is your parents being like, I'm disappointed mm-hmm. in what you did. Then you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> that stinks. Yeah. Like getting spanked or whatever is nothing. But when they say, yeah, I'm disappointed. Uh-huh. That, yeah. 
that's when you know you messed up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's you don't want your friends to be disappointed in you. Or, I, a lot of it stems. You don't want to be a loser mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? You want to be you want to be that guy that's got everything, or that girl that's got everything, and is living their best life, and mm-hmm. portrays this sense of perfection. But that's just it's not there. It's really not. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's like full circle on on how people perceive themselves online because they want to not look like a loser, right? Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's like, what do you define? How do you define that? If you are like for me, financially. Um, self-sufficient is one of the biggest parts of that and a lot of people that are just doing what everybody else is expecting from them they don't have a whole lot of money they're doing things to make them look like they are but in reality they're not yeah which like you said if the goal is financial independence which it should be i mean it should be one of them at Mm -hmm. least right nobody wants to be crippled by debt or have you know, live paycheck to paycheck. Like that's not a life anybody really wants. Yeah. Uh, but it takes focus. It takes dedication. It takes struggle and it takes being fine with being in uncomfortable situations, mm-hmm. which nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to be in an uncomfortable situation. That's why a lot of people don't work out, you know? Yeah. You got to struggle for it. Yeah. Or that's why a lot of people don't chase their dreams is because you got to struggle for it. You got to eat shit for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know how you change that. It's like you said, you gotta have you either have a fire in you or you don't. And mm-hmm. if you don't, it's gonna be a long road. Just keep failing. Just keep putting yourself out there. Fail another That's 10, 20 times. <laughs> you like, never and it's only a failure if what's that cheesy line? It's only a failure if you don't get back up or if you don't learn from it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, God, I failed. I constantly fail. I'm still failing. Yeah. I will always fail. But each failure is a learning lesson. Oh, yeah. That's what's important mm-hmm. is what you can pull from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I tripped up here. Next time, I'm not going to trip up there. Mm-hmm. I might make it a few more steps, right? Yeah. Then you fall down again. You get back up. You try something else. And I think that goes back to you got to... It's hard. When I started out, you know, I didn't know... After high school, shit, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do or I didn't even know who I was or who I wanted to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think one of my saving graces was that um, I bounced around a lot. You know, I was going to school at CR. I went to school in Oregon. Now I'm in New York. Before that, I was going to school in Sacramento. Like I got to bounce around a little bit and that drastically changed my perception on life Mm -hmm. and what it means to be a person, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's important to just, you just have to find something you might be interested in right yeah go down that path a little bit if you're not interested in it anymore take a right turn take a left turn follow something out like you don't have to keep going down a path just because you started down that and i think the college example is great if you're going to college and in your first semester you realize yeah this isn't for me there's no shame in walking away Mm -hmm. like if you're in a bad investment why would you keep dumping money into that investment yeah right there's nothing beneficial you're going to get out from it if Mm -hmm. A, you don't want to be there, or B, it's not something you want to pursue. Um, why keep funneling time into it? Yeah. What are you expecting? What What results are you hoping to find at the end of that tunnel? Yeah, something interesting that I found also was that a lot of times colleges will bring in guest speakers. And locally, I know a lot of guest speakers who mm-hmm. never went to college. 
But they are it's yet they're teaching right? the class. Yeah. And yeah, it's the college thing is crazy. And most yeah, most of the guest speakers are just successful. They didn't go to college. Some drop out in high school. Um and the school's like, oh, we got to bring them on just because, you know, mm-hmm. they've done these these great things and we need to portray that sense that, oh, if you come here, you're going to do great things. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why they ride alumni so hard that are successful is because, okay, now we've got a track record of if you come here, you could do this, you could do that, you could be an astronaut if you come here. But mm-hmm. oh, if you go to those other schools, it's not. And that's another thing I learned is education is is so... The system's so broken, and because of that, it's vastly different wherever you go, but education level and the quality of education isn't isn't that different. Yeah. I know it is when you're like in grade school and in high school like that is vastly different, but when you're going to college, like a private school and a community college are not, they're not that different. They're not, there's not this big gap that people like to portray that Oh, if you go to a community college, you're never going to amount to anything. Yeah. Yeah. I would argue CR's um, staff and the level of education there is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I can't obviously speak for all community colleges, but CR in a small little town like ours, yeah. it, I was pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. So even if you're not sure what you want to do, maybe go to community college for a little bit. Yeah. And then you're not forking out $40,000 a year or $100,000. Yeah. Not knowing what you want to do. You get to go. You're still kind of a kid in the sense that you get to play around a little bit and find yourself. And that's good for people, too. Yeah. I mean, when I graduated high school, I had this pressure on myself to try and go to law school. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. And um, I thought, okay, right, when I graduate, I'm going to be on my own. I have no financial help from my family. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take out a student loan debt. It's scary. I really don't want to do that. So junior year, I ended up getting really good grades. And I applied for, I think, 35 scholarships. Whoa. I really buckled down. And then I received about 14 of them. Wow. That's awesome. And it amounted to about $20,000, which paid for my first year at a Humboldt State. Um, But after that first year, the scholarships didn't renew. and. Mm -hmm. Then what do you do? Then I'm back to square one. I applied to a bunch of scholarships. I didn't get any um, that second year. And I had just received that job through code enforcement. Um, so I decided to go to CR part-time. But at that point that I was going to CR, I think that's when I really started to realize that this isn't beneficial for me anymore because I'm working uh, I'm working not as many hours as I could be to save money for investing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to school enough hours to graduate within four years. It's going to take me about eight or nine years if I continue at this point. Mm-hmm. And if I'm if I don't get to that point where I get my degree until eight or nine years later, and I don't save any money, then I'm going to be stuck. Yeah. And I did not want to be stuck. That doesn't so sound I, good when you put it on paper like yeah, that. Yeah. Right? So I I made that decision that okay, if I'm going to go back to school, it's going to be after I invest in a house, after I. After I invest in multiple houses, actually, because I want to have the cash flow income to not have to work another job. Like a lot of other college students that I know that are going to college Mm -hmm. um, didn't drop out. It's because their parents are paying. They don't have to work another job. There's no other responsibility other than school. Focusing on school, which is in itself a job. Yeah. 
So I decided if I'm going to go back to school and I decide that I do want to be a lawyer, then that's the way that I'm going to do it so that I can really focus on getting good grades so that I can really take the most opportunity and make the most of it and learn as much as I can while I'm there. Um, but if not, then I'm going to start just solely investing. And that's how I went about that approach. That is an awesome outlook on it though. Yeah, I would recommend that for anyone that is in the same kind of situation where, you know, they're not really sure about where they're going in their career. I I would say just really try and avoid that that debt. Yeah, it's not good. Mm-mm. It's really not good. And the scholarship thing is wild that, you know, because school is a commitment, right? And you mm-hmm. go there and it's a commitment and then they can just retract the scholarship and then you're just out to dry. Mm-hmm. It's really like, what do you want to take a risk in? Yeah. Like, Everything's a gamble. Yeah. Like, do you want to take a risk on investing in education, which is in a way investing in yourself? And that could pay off if you are going to college to be a, a doctor or... If you're going to use it, you could go get a degree and never use that. Yeah. And then I mean, what? that happens a lot. Oh, more often than not, I would argue. Yeah. And that... It's like what? It's a wasted investment. Yeah, right. Point. If you don't, if you don't <laughs> use it, then. But still, it's that for some jobs, it's that barrier of entry where you almost you got to have a degree just to be looked at, mm-hmm. regardless of if you even use that degree in the job. They just want to know that you have a degree. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. I mean, what does that prove? Okay, that I could study. You know, that I could cram enough to pass my exams, and I've got this piece of paper. Because you're not, you you don't really learn what you don't learn the same way that you could learn if you just did it on your own Mm -hmm. right i'm way more invested if i'm interested in something and i do like google it myself and i read about it myself than if you know i'm taking this class and i've got three exams and all i'm worried about is knowing enough material to pass the exam right entirely true yeah yeah. then you get out from that class and you forget it Mm -hmm. and then what then you graduate with your piece of paper and you're like i don't know how to do half the shit that i study for because yeah. I was just worried about passing the class. Yeah, like when I was studying political science and law in college, I remember taking earthquake science was a required class and I could not take economics because mm-hmm. it wasn't on the um, requirements. requirements. Yeah. How the hell does that make sense? Yeah. What? <laughs> I, when am I going to need earthquake science? So everyone agrees that politicians are mismanaging the budget and yet... Yeah. It's not part of their requirements to yeah. learn. So You would think that politicians should be some of the most fiscally responsible people yes. out there. Because we're giving them the power to oversee enormous budgets. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't know how to manage money from the get-go, yeah. what hope can we have in them of managing trillions of dollars for and these programs? Why are the standards so low for politicians? You know, they don't Well, they're even lower now, right? If Trump can be president, (laughs) God, anybody, that's my fear about future elections is that now, if it was a publicity contest before, now it's just going to be exacerbated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if Trump can be president, anybody can be president. Yeah. Right? We're going to have an Instagram model as the next one. Yeah. I mean, right? (laughs) What is that going to look like? Oh, goodness. Yeah. No, it's a scary thing, huh? It is a crazy time to be alive and to be old enough to be able to like pay attention to it. But you know, even for me when I was running when I decided to run for office, 
I wasn't even sure if I could because I had, I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. How the heck am I supposed to get endorsements and get myself on the ballot and what kind of background checks are they going to do? Who approves? Like who's on the ballot? Yeah. It's really, you go out, you get signatures and they verify the signatures that these people will vote for you. And there you go. You're on the ballot and you just have to be over a certain age. Wow. But to me, that was astonishing to where, okay, I can just go out and get signatures. I could be a terrible person. I could. Anybody can run. uh, Yeah. I could be, um, the worst ideal politician. And it's scary, but it's also equally comforting, right? I can see what you're saying. Because then you can then you can accept that, okay, anyone can make a difference. Because mm-hmm. what if you've got a really good person, like a farmer, who you know maybe doesn't know a lot of people, but he's down to earth. He's got a good rapport with the community. Everyone believes in him, mm-hmm. and he runs. Or if you've got some local business tycoon in the community who is a piece of shit, but everybody knows him, right? And he's running mm-hmm. and you can get both. But like yeah. you said, then you can get, you know, somebody like Trump or something that really is not good or somebody even worse that's running and they could win. Yeah. You know, you've got both sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. That's scary when you think about that, huh? Yeah. But that's life. That's our system right now. So I know it is crazy. It's crazy. Besides talking about, let's see, the political campaign, college, investing, and housing, and traveling, is there anything else that? No, you I had? think we can. <laughs> I think we can call it there. I feel like we've covered a, a lot. lot of bases. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll do my own little YouTube video on you how should. to get your credit you, score up to seven fifty. <laughs> you really, you really should. I think that the internet is lacking a lot of good content like that. Mm -hmm. And like they say, if you create it, people will come. People will find their way there. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wish I could also give you like a tour of my house in the video. So it could be like, yeah, you can do this at a very young age. That could be your first YouTube video. Yeah, make it. I'll come out. You can give me a tour. (laughs) We'll narrate it. Because I don't want people to just think that I'm talking out of my ass or anything. Like, I I want people to know that, hey, you you can come out and do this and do it on your own. Do it legally. You don't have to sell any drugs. You yeah. just <laughs> you just work and hard work, determination. You can get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you. I really think you should. I think you should. If nothing else, it's a very small time commitment. And you know, if it doesn't work out or you don't like it, it's really not that hard to pull the plug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Haley. I had a really, really good time talking to you. You're welcome. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. All right, cool. Then I hope you do more of these. Yeah, I'm going to try. We'll see We'll see what happens in the future. I'm looking forward to it. Growing pains. Growing. All right. Thanks, Haley. Thank you.